Hello and welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the Enthusiasts podcast. I'm Andy Hoyle, and today, the heat is on, the time is right, it's time for you to play your game, because everyone's coming, everyone's trying, yes, that's right, this week we're spending half an hour in the company of one of the game show kings of the 80s and 90s. MIM's Ashley Byrne has been reminiscing about the hugely popular cult quiz show Going for Gold, with none other than the delightful Henry Kelly. Have fun! So this is another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM podcast, and today we have Henry Kelly with us, who of course was the host of Going for Gold, which became a sort of cult fixture uh, on our TV screens in the 1980s and 90s, I recall. Is that right? It was 80s and 90s, wasn't it, Henry? It was around about that time. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Now, just remind us of the concept of it. For anybody who's... I, I, a lot of people have probably got in their minds the theme tune. Yes. Because that became iconic in many ways. Well, you know why? That theme music was written by a man called Hans Zimmer. Oh, of course. And yes. Hans Zimmer was to go on fresh from his triumph on going for gold <laughs> to win his first Oscar yes. for Gladiator. Absolutely. So they're a fantastic yeah. connection between going for gold and Gladiator. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. It's a, they do this programme on some TV sometimes called Comedy Connections. Well, yes. this is Quiz Show Connections. Yes. Um, so yeah, So what was, what, what was the general principle well, of it? The concept was, first of all, it started as so many good television programmes start in the United States, and it was called Run for the Money. Now, when the Americans decided to sell it to BBC, by then it had been bought by the Grundy organisation. Ah, OK. The Australians. Uh, the Australians, who, of course, were the mother and father, literally, of neighbours. Indeed, yeah. Do you remember people used to say, very unfairly, can you hum the signature tune from Neighbours. Nay, click. Um, because people either loved it or hated it. Anyway, between the jigs and the reels, Michael Great said he thought Run for the Money was a great idea, but he wasn't having money in the title. Okay. Money yes. being a dirty word At the BBC. for the BBC. Yes, yes. Not for ITV, but the BBC it would be, yeah. yeah. Public funds and all the rest of it. Still a dirty word in the BBC, <laughs> but that's beside the point. So, it so happened that it was the year before the Olympic Games in Seoul in South Korea. Anyway, I will remember literally to my dying day when I was asked to go and do what was then a comparatively modern notion a paper pilot. What's a paper pilot? Oh, well, it's one you walk through and nothing. And, well, all right, all right. And I remember because on the day it was meant to happen, I was due to play in a golf tournament, give you an idea now of my relative values. <laughs> There's another programme to be made there. Anyway, cut a long story short. I went out to this rehearsal room in um, a Park Royal in North-ish London, went in, was told the idea of the programme, going for gold. Why gold? Well, you see, the Olympic Games have gold medals, uh. and the winner is going to go to the Olympic Games. 
Oh, yeah, f- fair enough. Right. Can I have the cards, please, and let's get on with this. And I went through it so quickly, do you know, because I actually didn't want to be bothered with this. <laughs> I mean, it was terribly, terribly arrogant and stupid of me. Anyway, I did it. They said, thanks very much. And the usual, we let you know. Yes. Well, to my absolute bemusement and horror, I got a phone call about a week later saying, could I meet a man called Dave Ross from the BBC? Yeah, yeah, what's all this about, Dave? Well, let's have a drink and a chat about it. So we met, and he said... "Um, would you like to do this programme? I said, what programme? I said, for crying out loud, he said, the one you auditioned for. You've forgotten about it. <laughs> I almost had, I'm ashamed to say. And he said, um, well, who do I contact? And at that time, um, I was able to put him in touch with the lady looking after me. So she came back all delighted and she said... They want to do 92 programmes. What? 92 (laughs) programmes, each lasting a half an hour. What? That's a whole year out of one's life. What happens if something else happens? Anyway, between the jigs and the reels, we agreed and we started to do Going for Gold. Now, I'll give you an idea of how tricky and trappy and Messy it was to begin with. We did two shows a day, Saturday and Sunday, in Television Centre every two weeks. Okay. The hope being that by the Monday we had four shows. Yeah, in the ready camp. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. They were a totally unmitigated disaster. <laughs> This is right at the beginning. Right about, at yeah. the beginning. None of those pilots ever saw the light of day, thank God. Because it's fine when you eventually saw it on the screen, but it's rather complicated. We had two rules, the same rules as we had in the dim and distant past on Game for a Laugh. Yes. No earpiece, no auto cue. Right, okay. You learn this show or you don't do it, okay? Now, to be honest, the total number of words on Game for Laugh or Going for Gold would not eclipse the book of Thusela, okay? (laughs) Because in any quiz programme, you've got to concentrate on what the point is. Okay, so I'm, I'm interviewing you. So I have one face on when I say, Hi, Ashley, where are you from? You're from Manchester. Okay, how'd you get here today, Grand? What do you do for living at home? Well, I'm a student. Yeah, terrific. And then suddenly I say, Right, are you ready and happy to play? Here's your first question. Your time starts now. And I have to watch my breathing. Mm -hmm. Okay, now listen. Bus drivers, scaffolders, you know... Indoor decorators, they all have to learn how to do the gig. And that was, for me, the most difficult and disciplined part. Now, we learned how to control me, 
the contestants and the computer. Because remember, that was part of the gimmick yes, yes, of going for gold. Yes. Hands on the buzzer. Boing! Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think the buzzer isn't working. <laughs> Stop, go back again, pick it up. I had one of the floor manager who once said to me, we're coming to the pickup now. Can you do it slowly but very quick? So I said, <laughs> I said, um, could you show me how to do that? Because I've been a long time in television. I haven't a clue what you're talking about. And it, was it in front of a studio audience? It was. Okay. It was. A studio You've audience. got to keep them entertained and keep them well, going. Well, we had the wonderful man. That, I mean, I thought the greatest warm-up man in the world was the great Bill Martin, who used to warm up and look after us on Game for Life. But Wally Mardell, who was a, a, a comedian by night and a warm-up man going for cold pie day, <laughs> he kept people... Anyway, uh, to come back to the work that went into it, eventually we got it right. Yes. And having started off, doing two programmes a day yes, every second weekend. When we finished in Manchester, where we had the most wonderful seven or eight years of the programme, that those BBC studios in Manchester and the team there, God, I love them all. It would be invidious to mention anybody by name, but they were superb. On the Oxford Road, yeah, yeah, the old Oxford Road, yeah. 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 We ended up in the last series. I went out and bought a set of cheap £2.50 T-shirts. There was a fella somewhere in Manchester who used to do printing. Right, okay. Stuck them under a big machine. <laughs> so I said, I want to use the Going for Gold logo. Yeah. And underneath it said... Going for gold crew, do it, dot, dot, dot. And on the back, if you turned around, it said nine times a day. <laughs> we finished, thanks to Manchester. And I cannot applaud them and thank them more. It was thanks to them we could do all those programmes. Fantastic. So quickly. Now, the point being, going for gold, right? Yes. Somebody won a trip to Seoul for the Olympic, Olympic Games. Yeah. Now, the other gimmick of Going for Gold was that it was for an international audience. Right. Because in those days, there was Super Channel. Right, OK. And we were also on Super Channel. So it was initial, all, all the way from the start, it had to be international then, basically. Correct. OK. Which is why we had all these European countries competing against Correct. each other. Okay. Correct. And people used to say to me, oh, I've watched Going for Gold. Those foreigners are at a terrible disadvantage. So after about four or five programmes, when the foreigners had won three out of five, they dropped that argument. (laughs) But, I mean, I remember going through um, the airport at Paris in the middle of Series 2, and there were people saying, oh, we... From going for gold? I thought, what the heck is going on here? So it was literally shown in all the loads and loads of countries around the world. Wherever, wherever, not around the world, around Europe. Around Europe, yeah. Though I suppose it might might have ended up in other places as well. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But 
um, then Super Channel decided to diversify. I think that's the posh word for going bust. And there, there was nowhere um, for it to be broadcast, except BBC was, of course, available in Europe. Yes. So we kept the whole European theme. And it was, it was wonderful. And these men and women, they came from everywhere. Look at, in the first series, we had Hans Manns, who was from Austria, and he was the retired Austrian ambassador to Canada, for crying out loud. <laughs> What's he doing on a quiz programme? I bet he became a big name in his own country, probably. He, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We had, um, uh, I, I can't remember his name, forgive me. And so he was representing Italy. So I said, what do you do? And he said, I am a librarian. So I said, where? And he said, in the Vatican. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> the Pope's librarian is on going for gold. What's happening? The world has gone mad. <laughs> but they were great. And what sticks in my memory was just how happy, decent and delighted those people were. The cachet of the BBC, the cachet of coming to London, of being on a programme that people might see mm. outside of the United Kingdom. And, and also, they had knowledge that you'd stand aghast. Got to the final one year. Luke Rucktast from Belgium. Luke was in the civil service in Belgium. And he was a lovely, jolly, happy man. So we get to the final. And, it's go and now, to win the final, you have to have eight points. So when you get to five and the other person is six, you have a big decision to make. But you are, are entitled to make it because you are coming second. Uh, yeah. So in the immortal words of Henry Kelly, you're playing catch-up. So I looked at the card and I said to Luke, the category is music. Will you play or pass? And I thought, look, don't play. Don't play. You cannot possibly answer this. This was a balls-aching question. I will play. OK, that's Luke gone. <laughs> right, look, you have five points. You need three more to win. You're in the four zone, so correct answer here. And you're this year's champion on going for gold. If you lose, it will pass to your opponent. The category is music, and your time starts now. I began as a form of communication. Yodeline. Pardon? Yodeline. The correct answer. How do you know that? How do you know that? Nine points, you've won. So I had to say to look, you couldn't have worked that out. How did you know? She said, it's funny. Belgians know funny things. <laughs> Brought the house down. Brought the house down. Distinct Nostalgia is made by MIM. And MIM has a brand new comedy panel show on BBC Radio 4 called The Likely Dance. 
we worked out a system so you can set up a cot like a hamster cage so we used to put a water bottle on the side <laughs> have the food at the bottom and then just let the kids take care of themselves and um... you know when it's a different father and you're slightly older than the rest of us it's like Victorian times The Likely Dads hosted by former Blue Peter presenter now dad of twins Tim Vincent and starring Russell Kane Mick Ferry Jonathan Kidd and Sean Hegarty is available now on BBC Sounds Now, the other thing, the thing I had to learn, I had to be taught it. If somebody is on a time limit, when, when we did four in a row, they had 40 seconds to answer four questions in a row. Now, if I say, and your time starts now, breath, they've lost a second. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. And if you do that four times in 40 seconds... You've lost a few, quite a few seconds. Four you've seconds. lost quite a yeah, few yeah, seconds. Exactly. And you've put your contestant at a disadvantage. Yeah. So I had to learn how to do it. And your time starts now so that you hit the question on the breath. Yes. Now, they, it sounds, you know, yeah, that's obvious, but it's not. No, no, no. Those are the little things, the minutiae. I remember my late father got dressed so when he said to me, do you know what a definition of genius is? I said, no. He said, genius is an infinite capacity for taking pains. In other words, get it right. <laughs> and you can get it right if you work on it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but Manchester, oh gosh, such happy memories. I mean, the Oxford Road, everybody from the receptionist. I was spoiled completely. And it was in Manchester for what, for six or seven years, you say, altogether, was it? Yes, yeah. maybe, maybe okay. longer. Okay. Okay. And how long did Going for Gold last altogether? It was a long time, wasn't 10, it? 10, 11 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was ended. And then it brought it back with my old friend, John Suchet. He was great at nicking jobs from me. <laughs> he got going for gold. He got classic FM. <laughs> but, but going back to going for gold, sure. uh, you, obviously you'd become you'd, you'd, you'd become well known for Game for a Laugh and various other things by that point. And as you say, you weren't necessarily that bothered about going for, doing going for gold at no, the time. No, not at all. But when you look back, it's probably the one thing that people transcending the generations remember yes. before isn't it yes because people of lots of different ages remember watching it whether it be students or older people whoever it may be if you say going for gold they instantly know henry kelly don't they and people in uniform are in prison <laughs> i used to get letters hm parkhurst dear henry if i may we have a team here who take part in our own going for gold um Oh, oh, dustbin men. Dustbin men were loved it, did they? All right, H. I'm going for four in a row. All right. <laughs> Ask me a question. <laughs> and the great thing is, because it was harmless, <laughs> you can't be against going for gold. No, no. You no. can't. No, no. You may think Henry Kelly is a pillock, but you, you, can't, you, you can't attack him. I mean, he doesn't do any harm. To this day, I promise you, Ashley, and this is no exaggeration, at least once, twice a week, no matter where I am, somebody will come up and say, 
could I have a, a photograph with you uh, from my mother? Oh, okay. Well, she used to sit with me watching your programme on Going for Gold when I was only about four. <laughs> Poor child. <laughs> and then, yes, and then, where's the and then going? And then I used to watch it when I, I came home from school at lunchtime. Yeah. Lots of university yeah, students. Yeah. I was made... Well, it was a daytime thing, wasn't it? It was daytime. Yes. It was, it was daytime. fun in the daytime. To and it. then it was repeated at one stage between... What's on Wogan and Dallas? Okay. At night, at about ten past. And did it do as seven. well at that time? No, I think it was an effort by the BBC to put a quiz programme in there. But it had been so associated with daytime, hadn't it? That's yes. the thing. It was yes. a daytime kind of, but kind of thing. It, really. it was just a. While people had, had finished what, watching What's on Wogan, and we went to, you know, light down in a darkened room after that experience <laughs> and then waiting for Dallas to come on. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, the thing that most people will remember, I think, is the, the theme tune. That's one of the big things. You as the, as the host. But lots of bright, shiny, happy people, generally, from different parts yeah. of Europe. Yeah. Often quite good-looking and attractive, a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. Um, and all these European countries getting on with each other. Yes. Which brings us to, obviously, the current situation we've well, been in for the last few years. You know, did Going for Gold not do anything for European relations? Well, <laughs> a few people actually said that um, we did. In fact, a lady who was then chairman of the European Commission, she came one year and presented the prizes and gave a glowing report. But the next year, we thought, hey... Let's get a British MEP. And the late Barbara Castle came. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she presented the prizes. Well, good old Barbara, bless her, but you could have put an interval into what she had to say. After a while, I was beginning to get quite embarrassed. <laughs> and Henry Kelly ain't going for gold, has done more for. European peace and everything. Okay, okay, that's fine, Lady Castle. Thanks very much. No, no, there was more. And this programme should be kept going for me. Yeah, yeah, fine, Barbara, thanks. That's great. We'll go and have a drink now, if that's all right with you. But she was very kind and very gracious. And people genuinely, I think, sort of, Loved it. There was a warm feeling about it. How could you be against a quiz programme? Why do you think it captured imaginations at that particular time? What was it about going for gold, do you think, that was special? It had Europeans. Um, for the first couple of weeks of a programme, people would say to me, um, why is it called four in a row if there are only three people? Because the four in a row um, applies to the number of questions, not the number of people. You, you numbskull. Work it out. I have to tell you, the first person who was confused by that was the then executive producer, Alan Boyd, who said, Helen, why is it four in a row when there's only three? Oh, Alan, keep up this It's problem. because of what they see as an image. That's the thing. They correct. see three and they think, oh, that exactly, must be the same. Yeah, yeah, Exactly, exactly yeah, correct. Yeah. And then people would say, 
How do you decide what's a one-point question, a two-point question, and a three-point question? So I did presenter's choice then. I said, well, you'll have to ask my producer, Kerry Bunce. Kerry Bunce, a wonderful, wonderful woman who was the producer for so long and looked after me as a mother would a child. And she said, I know if I understand the question and I get the answer, that's one point. If I understand the question, but I don't get the answer, that's two points. And if I don't understand the question or the answer, that's three points. That okay? Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. But to go back to Manchester, I mean, I used to... um, go to a well-known clothes store in London and buy all my suits and shirts. And because that well-known clothes shop had a branch in Manchester, they used to parcel them all up for me. Talk about being spoiled. Wouldn't happen now. And by the time I got to Manchester on the first day for the run-through, There'd be on my suits, all hanging up, shirts and matching <laughs> ties. Um, the whole atmosphere also of Manchester. Now, I had known very little about Manchester beforehand. Mm. I'd been there for a couple of concerts. But you've mainly been in London, had you? Yes, yes. Well, well, come from Ireland. Yeah, sure, London, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I'd, I'd once done a gig on stage there with um, Barry McGuigan and Willie Carson and Gloria. It was an Irish gig. Gloria. No. (laughs) (laughs) We we were meant to be the Irish people at the joke and they wanted us all to come out and pretend to be navvies. Oh, right, okay. Cool. (laughs) Not stereotyping. No, not not at all. (laughs) So we thought, oh, what the hell? Who cares? So how did it, how did it, change your life going for gold? I mean, in terms of the, your career, you've had a long career, lots of interesting things you've done over the years. Mm-hmm. Where does it sit? Well, it, 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 it gave me um, initially too much money to spend extremely unwisely, which I did. Um, it gave me um, financial security and stability, which doesn't quite last to this day because of foolish spending. It gave me a name. It, mm. it, it, it gave me the reason you were asking me to do this podcast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the fact, like what I said at the beginning, the fact that it transcended the generations. So you're a name that's known across lots yeah. of different generations. There are lots of people, lots of people you can mention and people say, oh, I don't remember that because that was before I was born or whatever it may be. Whereas, you know, they might, some people might not remember Game for a Laugh or whatever, but they'll remember going for gold. You'd be amazed at the number of people who hello me from buildings. I'd say, all right, hey, going for off. Look up. <laughs> you think, hang on, you were three. <laughs> I mean, game for a laugh ended in 1982, 83. Yeah, it was quite early 80s, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was another fluke. Where did that come from? Yeah. Four television channels, an audience of 20 million. Come on. Some of them are still alive. A lot of the time, as as I think I mentioned, um, could I have what I believe is now called a selfie from my mother, 
gets a bit embarrassing when they say, oh, my granny loves you. What do you mean? Your, your granny is still alive? <laughs> so finally, OK, going for gold. We, we started off talking about the song. Um, does that go round in your head still? Still. Yeah? Does it haunt you, <laughs> going for gold? Yeah, it haunts me delightfully. Yeah. But I'll tell you an extraordinary thing. I've, I would always go back up into the gallery. That's the posh word for where the programme was directed. Yeah. Be the... Uh, the producer, the director, and I'd go back up just to say, and they always began with the the heat is up, the time is right, it's time for us, everybody's coming. And you know what? I promise you, I am not making this up across my heart and hope to die. What astonished me the first time I went up there was every single member of the crew was singing it, <laughs> and at the end going, now it's time to meet our host. <laughs> it literally, the first time, I never went back up until I knew it wasn't going to be on, because I'd burst into tears. It, it was very, very moving. Yes. And they did the same, they, the, the crew and the staff on the ground, because people don't realise, and there's no reason why they should, how many people go into making a simple television programme that you see on your screen. A quiz show, in yeah, fact. It's no it's more that people... Complicated, does it? Well, when you get the number two bus, you don't realise somebody had to open the garage, somebody owns it, somebody puts petrol yeah, into it. It's very but, complex. You know, absolutely, absolutely. before yeah. you actually hop on the bus going across the road after the show to um, the La Sagari pub. Oh, yes, in Manchester. They used to have a quiz up on the board every day at lunchtime, which was terribly difficult. And the landlord said to me once, he said, you should try that um, as one of your questions on going for gold. And I said, they're too difficult. My favourite one was... What's open when it's closed and closed when it's open? What do you open to close and close to open it? I've no idea. <laughs> it's a level crossing. Ah, of course, of course, of course. Henry, lovely to talk to you. And lovely uh, to talk to about you. Going for gold. I think they should bring it back with you as host. <laughs> <laughs> I need, as Matthew Kelly Blessum said recently when we went for a rejuvenation of um, Game for Laugh, and we looked at the steps. And I said, God, I said, I couldn't run down those steps anymore. <laughs> and he said, well, I'd get down them, love, but it'd have to be in a Stannis lift. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, thank you for joining us. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. That's brilliant. Thank you. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And coming up next time, we continue our retro quiz show theme when we'll be meeting the question maestro of another iconic but rather complex game which attracted millions of viewers a week when it was shown just before Coronation Street at its peak in the 70s and 80s. And suddenly one evening in the bar and he said, I've decided who's doing it. I said, anyone I suggested? He said, nope. Anyone I know? He said, yes. I said, oh, come on then, who? He said, you. 
<laughs> I said, don't be silly. I'm equally a serious journalist who interviews. I was doing a lot of politics then. Yeah, yeah. But we were mates. We used to go on holiday together with our wives. And he got Rami and he persuaded me. And he said, Gordon, look, it's only for one year. It won't affect anything else. Uh, so in the end, I liked the idea of the program. And, and I said yes. And one year became... 18. 18 years, grief, grief. Yes, we'll be meeting Gordon Burns to hear about the origins of Granada Television's flagship show, The Krypton Factor, which was once dubbed the toughest game show on TV, on the next Distinct Nostalgia podcast. And don't forget, you can keep in touch with everything we're doing by following us on Twitter at distinct underscore by MIM or at MIM Productions or by going to madeinmanchester.tv. Tell your friends and do let us know about any ideas you may have for docs, shows or reunions. See you next time.